Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on today's episode, Colby Cohen and I are joined by U.S. Olympian Kendall Coyne. She has a great role in the Blackhawks front office as not only a, in player development, but on the girls' side of the game, growing the youth hockey component of hockey in Illinois, especially for the girls, but fresh off another trip to the Olympics, a silver medal for the USA, and her and a lot of her Illinois uh, native teammates are going to be honored on Sunday ahead of the Blackhawks game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, International Women's Day celebration, a great night. We talked to her about everything that's going on in her very busy schedule uh, and much more. All that coming up right now on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Welcome to Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum, Colby Cohen with you once again. Uh, Colby, we have a great guest today. Uh, an Olympian, a multiple-time Olympian, a gold medal winner, now a silver silver medal winner. I know uh, she's a little disappointed about the silver medal, but doing amazing things. Uh, Kendall Coyne joins us. We're going to have a lengthy conversation with her in uh, just a few minutes. But uh, news of the week, Colby. I don't know if you uh, what you were doing on Tuesday, but Tuesday morning, we all got a little uh, little text, little email. Hey, there's uh, there's things happening. Kyle Davidson, who's been the interim general manager for the Blackhawks for four months now, we've had him on the show multiple times. A friend of the show, named permanent general manager of the Blackhawks, Colby. Before we uh, talk to Kendall, just wanted to get your thoughts um, on what this means, not only for the organization but for Kyle, the type of leader, the type of person he is, to have this full time role going forward, and and this is his ship to steer. Yeah, I think it's really exciting and you know, I'm I'm really happy it was Kyle. I'm, you know, there was obviously some other good candidates, but I've got to be around Kyle now for whatever 6 or 7 months when he was the assistant general manager, when he was the interim general manager and just watching his work ethic and and you know, talking to him, getting to know him, listening to the way he talked about player evaluations. Um, talking to him about the difference in players now than maybe 10 years ago, you know, just kind of all different sorts of topics. And, you know, the one thing that I really enjoy about that is, is I'm always challenged to think a little differently when I talk to Kyle. Um, I may go in there and ask him a question about something, a player, a player on another team, a transaction. And I always kind of have an idea what I think. And then we talk and I'm challenged to think about it a little bit differently, see another viewpoint, uh, come at it from a bit of a different angle. And and I like that because personally, I, I like to be challenged in, in, in thought process. I like to learn still about the game. You know, I also think it's exciting for the entire organization because you need a leader. And I think everybody was waiting, um, you know, almost like dragging their feet because nobody wanted to cross the finish line until we knew who was going to be running the hockey ops department. And we obviously have great leadership on the business side. Uh, Danny Wirtz, who's the CEO and, you know, oversees this whole thing. He's obviously a great leader, um, you know, very clear, concise, genuine, you know, all the things that you want in somebody that, you know, we all at the end of the day work for and report to, but, you know, filling that last, 
shoe and, you know, seeing our new, you know, our leadership team now across the board with Kyle and Jamie and Danny and, and you, you know, you have direction now as, as an organization, because what's really important at the end of the day is that our team on the ice does well and we can do everything um, we want and we will continue to do everything in every other area of the organization, but we are a hockey team and our hockey team is important. The results are important and having Kyle now in place in a permanent role, I think gives a lot of clarity to our fan base, our colleagues, our employees and our players as for what is about to take place here. Um, you know, what path and, you know, I just, I think it was a really exciting day. I would tell you this, I've been here for seven months. Um, I'm new, you know, you've been here a lot longer than I have, Carter. But to me yesterday, uh, I guess it was yesterday, right? Yep. The vibes and the energy in the locker room with the players, in the offices, with the colleagues, uh, with different fans that I spoke to, people, you know, messaging me on different platforms on social media. I think everybody's really optimistic and excited to see what Kyle can do. And um, I think it's really important to note uh, Kyle's Kyle Davidson. And yes, he's risen through the ranks at an impressive uh, rate. And I, I can't see how anybody could find fault in a guy's story who starts as an intern unpaid and ends intern. up unpaid intern and ends up at 33 years old, the Chicago Blackhawks general manager. I mean, that is a great story. People should rally around that. That that should inspire people. I know me personally, it makes me think, wow, even at 30 years old, you can do anything because, you know, if you work your way through, look at Kyle's progression. And so... I just think that it's an inspiring story on top of it all. Um, Kyle was really candid in his press conference yesterday talking about an open, you know, multiple open heart surgeries and his relationship with his wife and, and different the line of the family. Yeah. Different family values that are important to him at home. And so, you know, I, I just, I think it's an exciting time. It was an exciting day. The vibes, the energy was great. I think the players are very excited now. Uh, cause I do think that as a player and even as an interim head coach, Everybody feels a little what's going to happen, and, and that, that's a difficult situation uh, to come to work in every day, no matter what you do in this world. And so when your boss gets uh, released or he resigns or you know whatever happens in your own personal situation, so uh, ultimately happy for Kyle, excited for the organization, and really looking forward to seeing um, what Kyle is going to do now as a as a you know, permanent leader here for the Chicago Blackhawks. You talked about just the the kind of camaraderie, even walking around the office. I mean, that's a group of people who've seen Kyle rise from literally an intern all the way up. There's there's a lot of built-in pride in, in that element of it. But he's been around for a long time. But one of the things he did say, and even Danny Wirtz said during the press conference uh, yesterday, was he's been here, so he kind of knows what's happened, but he knows also what hasn't worked, where the issues have been. And he's a guy with his own own ideas, own mindset, not afraid to make the moves that need no, to be done. No, we've, we've 12 days, seen that. Twelve days into his job, he made a coaching change yeah, as an interim. I mean, we, I mean we, he's ready to go. He's ready to. He's got the full authority. He had a full authority yeah. before, but now he can do it on the front office side with the staffing, put everything in place that he needs to hit the ground running. Yeah, and you look at the trade he made for Lafferty, and 100%. again. That's not a franchise-altering trade, but he moved on from a player who was tied to an old manager, and that's an important um, symbol. 
because that tells you that he doesn't really care. If he has to lose a trade because we have an asset here in Chicago that he does not any longer deem valuable, okay, because our an old um, you know, manager felt that this player was valuable. If he has to, uh, you know, take future considerations or sort of bite the, you know, bullet a little bit on a trade, he'll do it because again, he has his own viewpoints and philosophies and he wants the team to look a certain way. And again, just because you came up under somebody or you learned under somebody does not mean you agree with everything they do. It seldomly means the complete opposite because like you just mentioned, Carter, you have a front row seat and at this level of sports, you tend to focus on what isn't working or what's wrong because people that make it to this level, whether they're players, general managers, broadcasters, it, it really doesn't matter. I could go all the way around our organization, different departments in order to reach the top of anything. You've got to be, you got to work hard and you have to be critical of yourself. And people that are successful are usually ones that yeah, they might do four good things, but they're going to work on the one thing that they didn't do well and that didn't that that did not work and I think that's why Kyle uh will be really successful as a general manager because I just don't think that he's going to sit there and pat himself on the back. He's the type of guy that's going to go to work and he's going to figure out, "Okay, what don't I like? What do I need to fix? How do I fix it?" He's a smart guy who's going to put a plan in place and he's not going to deviate unless he feels it's it's going to be good for the hockey club. Well, one of the first things I told him after uh, I saw him after the news came out was now we got to get you back on the podcast because every time we talk to him, it's right after a promotion. So now he's <laughs> gone from interim to full-time GM. So we'll get him back They're on gonna the They're going to be show. naming him president next yeah. time we have him. Well, it'll where be else? The it'll be the last time we have him on the show because exactly. he's going to be in the GM chair for yeah. a while. No, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get Kyle on the show. We'll hear from him uh, in the coming weeks. He's obviously got a lot of work to do. The trade deadline's coming up on March 21st. So a lot of work to do between now and then. So we look forward to that conversation. But uh, uh, a big day for the Blackhawks naming Kyle full-time GM and uh, a lot of work to be done. He didn't shy away from the fact that this team needs a lot of work done. There's a lot of work going into this and it's going to be a long-term process, but it's going to be done right. And it's going to be done the right way. I think was the most, one of the most important things he said uh, during his introductory press conference. So Colby, we'll toss it now to uh, another great conversation. Kendall Coyne, uh, she's going to be at the United Center uh, March 6th. Blackhawks taking on the Lightning. It's an International Women's Day celebration. Her and the five other U.S. Olympians on the women's team uh, being honored at the United Center on International Women's Day. A great celebration of them, their accomplishments, taking the silver medal. It's still a big accomplishment, uh, even though it's not what they trained for the whole time, but it'll be a fun afternoon. And of course, we talk a little bit about her book, uh, about halfway through it myself, Colby. It's uh, everything you want to hear. It's a truly inspirational story coming from her and just her path to where she is and continuing to lead the way for that next generation. I don't know who your uh, person you looked up to as a kid was, but for so many young girls, it is Kendall Coyne right now, the captain of the U.S. women's team and everything she's doing. We are pleased to be joined now by the one and only Kendall Coyne. I want to just come off the Olympics from, I know it's not the results you guys wanted, but uh, congratulations, first of all, on another Olympics under your belt, serving as 
team captain over there. I'm sure it's a, a huge honor for the U.S. team, and and the growth of the game overall was massive. I mean, the gold medal game against Canada, three and a half million viewers, the second most of any hockey game uh, period since 2019. I mean, I, I know the the end result was not what you guys were hoping for, but still has to be uh, another another great experience coming off of it. Um, kind of having a couple of days to digest and, and looking back on it now. Yeah, first off, Colby Carter, thank you guys for having me. I'm definitely excited to be home. Um, I felt so much love and support from not only our Blackhawks fans, but everyone uh, back here in Illinois. Um, but yeah, no, obviously not the result we worked for uh, these last six months slash last three years since Pyeongchang in 2018 uh, when we captured the gold. Obviously, the goal was to bring home another gold medal. And, uh, you know, falling short is is, is not easy um, when, you know, you wake up every day with, with that um, gold medal in mind. But at the end of the day, I think our team has so much to be proud of, um, you know, just getting to the Olympics was an experience in itself due to the pandemic. And, um, you know, when we got to the Olympics, when you lose one of your best players, arguably one of the best centers in the world and Brianna Decker, you know, the way the team responded, the way that, you know, Dex responded, she stayed in China for two weeks with a broken leg. And, you know, it just shows what this team is made of. And, you know, obviously not the result, but it was so hard just to get to China, um, you know, with the pandemic, with the restrictions, you know, cancellations, postponements, our last three games of our tour were canceled. Um, um, you know, having to shut down at times and, and not have team practices, have small group practices and, you know, everything that it took just to get there was a was a victory in itself. And I think we still have so much to be proud of, um, you know, even though we, we didn't get the gold and we came home with a silver. Well, Kendall, you obviously are a gold medalist. Um, you, you guys work so hard you and your team, you know, I've witnessed it firsthand of our days in, in Boston in the 6 a.m. and the 6.15 a.m. group at, in Woburn. So I've had this front row seat um, sort of growing through the game alongside you guys. And I've got to see, uh, you know, how incredible of a team you really are. Um, it's totally inspiring to me. I watch you guys in those games against Canada, and it's probably you know, one of the more emotional games that I ever get a chance to watch. Um, just because I get to be around you and see how your team is and what, you know, good human beings you are and what you've done for the, you know, sport and in, in making uh, more people aware of it. You guys are trailblazers. And so, you know, I want to thank you because I don't usually get overly emotional about this sport. And, and uh, your group certainly brings it out of me and probably out of everybody else. Now, you know, we were together in uh, Korea four years ago, and, you know, we kind of know what that experience was like. But I'm really curious, how was this Olympics different? And And let's not even go on the ice because obviously once the puck drops the game is the game but like what was the experience like off the ice you know i i got a chance to talk with knight throughout the tournament and see on snapchat how you guys would have to have breakfast in your little glass houses and you know some of the different things that i just couldn't believe um and i think a lot of people are really curious to hear about that and and have really no idea what your experience was like over there this time yeah, it was uh, it was unique. That is for sure. I mean, <laughs> just from the from the the moment we left LA. I mean, uh, 
we were practicing with N95 masks on literally up until um, basically picture day when we took them off and we all kind of looked at each other a little oddly like, wait, is it okay to take these off? And, uh, you know, we took them off and it, it just, it was, there was a lot of stress and anxiety just getting over to Korea, knowing that if you tested positive within a certain window uh, before the game started, you were likely ruled out and you could not get over to China. So the stress of being stateside and not, um, not risking getting the virus was, was a lot. Um, you know, we were in a bubble, we were, you know, in Minnesota for a long time, we were wearing masks, um, you know, uh, no showering, you know, quick in, quick out in the locker rooms, um, you know, meals to go. Uh, so it was, a, there was a definitely a lot of alone time leading up into the Olympics. Um, you know, meetings are virtual on zoom, uh, which, you know, especially a video session can get, you know, get, be difficult when you're trying to ask questions and learn via zoom, but then, when we got over to China, um, you know, especially on the charter flight with all the other Team USA athletes, everyone's wearing their mask and, um, you know, not not much conversation. You know, you eat quickly, you put your mask back on again because of that risk of of getting the virus and being ruled out of the games. And, you know, when we got into China, there was some um, hefty uh, measures in the airport. There were about six or seven checkpoints that we had to go through, um, you know, whether it was your accreditation, your COVID your COVID test, you needed this green code, which was your two negative tests getting into China. And then you had to do a throat test and nose test uh, before they let you in. And then you had to wait uh, for a good chunk of time for all the luggage um, to get to where we needed to go. And then finally, when we got into the village, we weren't allowed to leave the village until our results from that airport test came back. Um, thankfully, our entire um, our entire team, other than one uh, coach, was cleared to go. And um, so we had some camping meals because we weren't allowed to go to the dining hall um, while we waited for our results. So after a solid 35-hour travel day, all you wanted was a meal, but you couldn't leave until you got that, uh, that result back. Um, and then, yes, like you mentioned, Colby, the dining hall was an experience in itself with the um, stanchions kind of in between <laughs> each person. It reminds me of like fourth grade. Remember when they put those dividers up when you take a test? Oh, um, yeah. Like no, they no did peeing. anything, no right? Yeah. yeah. So that was that. I mean, we COVID tested every day, swab, and we were in this closed loop system, which I think was reported on. But we basically went from the dining hall, um, you know, in the village area to a bus to the rink back to the village. Um, you know, dining hall village there, you know, we were able to go to other venues, um, which was basically the only escape to be able to do something else. Um, those venues were quiet. There weren't many people there. Um, so we tried to bring the noise for our fellow team USA athletes when we could. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was unique. I mean, when you're in your own room, uh, there you had, I had three other roommates and we were, um, supposed to have our masks on in the common area. Um, so it's just, it was a, it was definitely difficult, a lot of unique situations and circumstances, but at the end of the day, everyone was willing to do whatever it took to, to compete in the Olympic games. Well, I think that's what makes your guys teams so special is that that is a tall task. I mean, the Olympics are a major social event for athletes, for media, the Olympic villages, the media village, it's incredible. And so um, that's not an easy thing to put a bunch of players through putting them in a foreign country like that. And, and just hearing some stories from other athletes, um, you know, on the, on the, uh, in, in different events, Kendall, different, uh, hockey players throughout the tournament. And it was definitely the consensus of, of stress. Everybody seemed to be stressed because nobody wanted to be stuck. Nobody wanted to be quarantined. So, 
a brutal situation practicing with an N95 mask. I just there's I get really winded going up the stairs wearing a, <laughs> not even an N95 mask, but a normal mask. So that that's a, that's a tough position to to put you and the team in, and and you know again, you guys are silver medalists. There's there's certainly a lot to be proud of there. You definitely made us all proud back here. It's it feels like a we when you guys play, and maybe that's selfish of me to say, but we all feel very much a part of your team, probably more than any other team or event, especially at the Olympics, but. Let's let's leave the Olympics in the rear view. I know that the the gold medal is what you played for. And so let's talk about March 12th, Kendall. And that that's a date that I assume you have circled on your calendar. Yeah, we're super excited about March 12th. Uh, it's a rematch game. It's a post-Olympic game um, in Pittsburgh, USA versus Canada. Uh, but I think, you know, beyond the rematch, uh, I think what's so special about this is, you know, the, the teams even dating back to 98 try to do something post-Olympic because it's so it's so important to continue the momentum of women's hockey. And so often after the, after the Olympics, Colby, as you know, it goes silent. People are like, hey, where can I watch you play next? And I, I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know. You know, we don't know what's next uh, because there's so much anticipation and build up for the Olympics. And it's just a sudden drop afterwards. So um, year after year, uh, we've tried to do a post Olympic event. I know we'll see stars on ice of our our figure skaters come through the United Center at some point. Um, you know, so similar feel and, and thought to a lot of the post Olympic events we see for other sports. And so to have this game, um, you know, go on the partnership with the PWHPA and and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the support that they've shown to to bring us in, to put us on, to 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 pay us uh, appropriately, um, you know, all the all the chips fall in place. So it's extremely exciting. And I think it's exciting that the momentum of women's hockey is going to continue, um, and it didn't stop after after the Olympics. Kendall, where will we be able to view that game? Um, is that going to be streamed? Is it going to be NBC? Where, where exactly will that game be visible? I think right now, I know it's going to be, I think, streamed in Sportsnet. Um, ESPN I don't, Plus, maybe? I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Well, look, um, we're going we're yeah. to keep bothering you about that up until March okay. 12th. And on our next week's episode, we'll make sure that we update people. Yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure that, you know, when we see your social media um, and where we can watch it, because I mean, I, for one, am going to watch it. I got up early. I stayed up late uh, watching your games beyond the personal connection that we all have to you and your team. Uh, it's fun. It really is fun hockey to watch and, and seeing it evolve uh, has just been has been awesome. And, you know, it, it, we lo- I am looking forward to March 12th, too. Like I have the date circled because <laughs> I want to see the rematch. One other date uh, before before we get there, uh, coming up on Sunday, I, I find it really cool that you're one of six people on the U.S. women's team from the state of Illinois. Uh, that has mm-hmm. to be uh, quite profound. I, I think it's second in terms of uh, state representation behind only Minnesota. So uh, the state of mm-hmm. Illinois and women's hockey really starting to, to make a name for itself there. But all six athletes from the U.S. women's team from Illinois – going to be at the United Center on Sunday. Blackhawks taking on the Lightning. Uh, Across the board, it's an International Women's Day celebration. So many great things going on around Mm -hmm. the arena as a whole. But Kendall, what's it going to be like to be recognized and kind of have that moment with people from your home state who you've gone to battle with night in, night out, 
for months on end, gone through this entire process with, uh, and get to have that moment here back home in, in your home city of Chicago. And I know a building that holds, uh, holds special meaning to you. Yeah, I'm super excited. And I must say, I'm so proud to be one of six players on our team uh, from the state of Illinois. And I think it speaks volumes to uh, the grassroots level, grassroots level work that um, we all do here in Illinois. And, and you know, just to see that, you know, there's six of us, um, it just shows the talent that that is throughout the state. Um, and, and this is this is a hockey city as as we know it. So I'm extremely excited. And um, you know, just the support that we've received from the Blackhawks since being over in Beijing. I mean, there were 120 girls at a watch party uh, for one of our games during the Olympics. I'm sure everyone saw the Dream Big sweatshirts and T-shirts where the proceeds, um, some of the proceeds went to youth hockey uh, efforts in, in Illinois with our youth hockey department, which I'm super proud of. And so um, just the support has been incredible from the Blackhawks, from Blackhawks fans and from fans all across Illinois. Illinois. Um, so to be able to be at the United Center kind of makes things come full circle. Um, obviously, as I as I work for the Blackhawks, I've heard from so many people. It's just it's going to be emotional for sure um, to to be back home and to to hear the crowd roar and to have so many um, you know fans that have supported us through and through this entire journey. Um, you know, we came through Chicago as a part of our residency program, uh, played two games against the Chicago Mission Boys, and we were at. Uh, we were at fifth third uh, for those games, which was incredible. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited. Really looking forward to Sunday, um, and I know my my five other teammates are as well. We've been talking about it uh, since uh, we've gotten back, so we're really looking forward to it. That Dream Big merch, uh, cbhshop.com for anyone at home. I know it went quick off the shelves. The first the first batch of it was sold out very quickly, but a very popular item. Uh, and it's it's become your mantra. I think that's a really good segue into what I wanted to touch on before we let you go. But uh, coming off the Olympics four years ago, you obviously had such a great moment uh, at the NHL All-Star Game uh, in 2019. And then coming off of that, uh, the you know Blackhawks TV did the, the full-long, um, almost mini-doc on you uh, as fast as her, kind of telling your story. And then you took that a step further over the last couple of years. You took, um, wrote your own autobiography, your own story, telling your story, your path um, to the game, how you look to inspire others, that next generation of, of girls athletes. And um, you're, you're, you know, I love the, the motto that you always say, if you can see it, you can be it. Um, but what was that process like of just, just being a writer? I know we've had you do a couple things for blackhawks.com, uh, in mm -hmm. the past, and I've got to see firsthand just what a great writer you are, but what was it like to write an entire book, uh, coming off of that and just be able to tell, tell your own story there? Well, I will say the, um, the docu-series that the Blackhawks did as, as fast as her really, obviously, as you can imagine, um, inspired the title for the book. I think that documentary was so incredible. Obviously won some awards. Everyone did such a phenomenal job um, and Spencer and Eric. And, you know, it really did help uh, promote the, the title for the book and inspire the title for the book. But, um, you know, over the years, I, I, I've always wanted to do a book. I had, had a goal to, to write a book. I really didn't know how that process would start, but I knew that I wanted, um, you know, my story to be out there. And I knew my story could act as a source of inspiration for, for boys and girls, whether they play hockey or, the, or they don't play hockey. Um, 
And I just remember being a kid looking for a book that, you know, had women in hockey in it. And I really couldn't find any other than two with Manoa Riem's book and Angela Ruggiero's book. And I did a lot of book projects on those two books um, growing up and I wanted more. I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to find more and, and I didn't and I couldn't. So, um, you know, when I, when I felt like I had, um, you know, a story to write, I felt like it was important to write it. And so over the years, I would just jot down uh, parts of my life that, that I felt were impactful, felt help put, uh, put me in the position I am in today and shape me into the person I am. And so I really just started with kind of like a scratch pad, if you want to call it. And then, um, the process got a little bit, you know, more serious of, and I had a co-author as well, help, you know, shape these stories into, um, into the book. And I just thought it was so important because we needed more representation. I felt I had a lot to share and I felt there was a lot that people didn't know about my story. And I felt there were a lot of similarities that maybe in my story that I hear in other kids stories. And so if they read my, my book and they see, Oh, you know, she went through something that I'm going through and I can overcome it. And, you know, I can accomplish my dreams and, and accomplish my goals. Um, you know, I hope my story may act as a source of inspiration for them. And I think also too, you know, we do so much work, um, you know, in the community in Chicago together and, um, you know, just seeing the impact that, that someone can have on someone. I felt like this book can reach so many more people. So, you know, in, in such a different and unique way where I can only be in one spot at one time, but this book can be in many spots and, you know, at, in di many different places at many different times. And so uh, it was just another way to definitely um, hopefully inspire um, a lot of people. Well, Kendall, obviously, uh, you know, you've got Sunday coming up and then you've got March 12th coming up. You know, we, we talked about those dates, but what, what next for you, Kendall? I mean, you're every year, it seems like, you know, you wrote a book and you got, you, you took a job with the Blackhawks. You did some TV, you were doing national TV, you were doing local TV. Um, you're working in player development. Now you're playing hockey yourself, you know, you're building the women's game and, and, um, you know, setting the trail for that. But, what what next for you? I mean, we you've got uh, you've set big shoes for yourself, and and we're just kind of curious, you know, what what's on your plate for the rest of 2022 and beyond. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, you I know, hope I there's think... some rest involved in there. <laughs> yeah, at some point. I mean, and I don't know is is totally fair. I'm putting you on the spot a little. Well, I think you know, obviously, we I want to finish out this season uh, with all of our prospects. You know, everything's starting to wind down. I hope to be able to get to Rockford for you know a couple practices here and there, and um, you know have some scouting meetings, and you know really turn my efforts into um, you know my youth hockey role and my player development role uh, because everyone's been so amazing and letting me you know put those things on hold uh, for the last. Um, you know, two months, Kyle Davidson reached out to me before the Olympics and he said, don't worry about a thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll hold down the fort. We'll see you when you get back. Good luck. We're rooting you on. So everyone's been extremely supportive, um, you know, in my you know, goal to obviously go to the Olympics. So now I, you know, I really want to turn those efforts right now back to player development and, and youth hockey. But I think um, ultimately, you know, you know, before the end of 2022, I want to see a women's professional league that affords women the opportunity to to make a living playing it for that to be their full time job. Whether I'm in it or not, it doesn't matter. Um, it's that it's that the opportunity is there so that all these young girls, whether, you know, maybe they'll be at the game on March 6th and, um, you know, 120 of them were at the watch party or all the, you know, 
all the young girls that, that love cheering on our Blackhawks can now say, I can do that too. And I can be a professional hockey player and make it, make a living. And I think we're so close to, to accomplishing that goal, but that would be my, my biggest goal, um, you know, for the end of 2022. Well, just for the record, Kyle and I had a dinner bet on that gold medal game and I owe him dinner. So, you know, just, just, just be careful with him. You know, you get, you be careful. (laughs) He did. He does come from Sudbury, Ontario. So I know um, I trust me. I know. Okay. I'm just letting you know, I know know who to stay away from on Sunday. Exactly. You know, I, I'm staying away from him too. Cause I, I, you know, he gets to pick the restaurant. So I might have to go double or nothing with him on March 12th. I I think I might have to make that pitch too. Now, now that he's got a he's got a pretty big new job, and so I, I'll I'll double or nothing with him, and I'll I'll up the ante a little. <laughs> I do have to ask you, Kendall. I know Cami uh, Granado played such a pivotal role in in you as a young player, being that inspiration. You obviously have your job with the Blackhawks, you know, working in player development, also doing the youth hockey stuff. But while you were focusing on the Olympics, obviously a big promotion from for her moving from a, a scout in Seattle, which was already a, a big role for her and and a woman in that role as well. But now moving to Vancouver, taking on a larger role in the front office, assistant general manager. I mean, what is something like that, uh, you know, continue to push the path forward for women? We've seen so many different women get hired to different positions across the NHL and really start to break that barrier more and more. Uh, What does that mean? And and how special was that to see uh, from from afar? Oh, it's so special. And um, you know, there were a couple, only a couple phone calls I had after the gold medal game. Obviously, there was not the result, so it was you know some difficult conversations. But um, you know, the first was to her, and uh, you know, first and foremost was you know congratulating her on her job. And um, you know, I know you guys have called our team Trailblazers, but I, there's no bigger Trailblazer in the United States in the space of hockey, in my opinion, than Cami Granado. Um, I mean, so many of my teammates looked to her team and looked at her and that's the moment we said, we want to go to the Olympics. We want to play for team USA. We want to win, win a gold medal. She was really the first woman that I recall ever seeing play hockey. Um, you know, and then fast forward to 2002, I remember being a bug on the glass when team USA played team Canada at the United center. Um, and, and I talk about it a little bit in my book. And as you guys know, from the blackhawks.com um, article, we did, I was a big shinny stick kid. I always yeah. had my shinny sticks. I was, I was playing shinny hockey at any point. Um, I was actually just playing yesterday with my uh, one and a half year old nephew. Um, so I'm a big shinny stick kid. And it was, that was probably the first game I didn't bring shinny sticks to. Cause it was just an, a moment where you realize, wait, can that be me one day? These, these people look like me, these people, you know, the, are these girls, I've never seen all an ice filled with all girls before. And they were obviously women um, at the time, but um, you know, and so that was 2002 and then obviously Cammy's camp. And so, um, and then Cammy becoming a scout and now an assistant general manager, um, you know, she's opening the eyes, the ears and, and the hearts of so many people to realize, Hey, women can, can do these roles. Um, and, and she's blazed so many trails and, uh, created so many opportunities for, for people like myself, um, you know, for people to realize like, Hey, they can do it. Um, and you know, when she became the first female scout, uh, in the NHL, um, I knew it was only a matter of time and, um, you know, I think she, she was faster than I, I thought, but, um, it was only a matter of time before she, she inserted herself into that general manager role. Um, and so I'm so happy for her. Um, obviously she's a hero of mine and I think she's a hero for everyone in hockey and, um, you know, the Granado family can't be, um, one of the, you know, they're just one of the greatest families in, in the sport of hockey. And so I'm so happy for her, um, and her family. 
she's a hero to you, but you're you're a hero to so many uh, other young girls as well, looking to follow in both of your paths through the game uh, and after playing days, whatever, whenever that comes. I know you have a, a long road ahead of you as well, and a long a long future in the sport. Uh, you're doing incredible things. We can't wait to. Uh, see you on Sunday. Uh, celebrate not only what you and your team accomplished, but also the growth of the game. And um, just keep on moving forward because you guys are doing incredible stuff. And uh, we, we can't wait to see you Sunday. We hope it's a great one. Yes, yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Carter. Thanks, Colby. And I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for all the love and support over the last two months. It's been incredible. And let's keep the momentum going. Well, that will do it for this week's episode. A special thank you once again to Kendall Coyne for Colby Cohen. I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Tate drive.